It is two minutes past ten. Joining us now, our good friend Mr. Al Bat from somewhere near Harlan, Minnesota, on a beautiful, warm spring day. Hey, Al. Boy, it is uh, what incredible weather! I, you know, is there anything better than those first really nice days of March every year? It's just oh, I, I love March. It's, uh, I have a lot of red-winged blackbirds back in the yard. Uh, there's a song by Thin Lizzy that said the boys are back in town. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, that's what they're singing out there now. They Look at me. I can hear them everywhere. And, of course, I look, so it works. But there, there's no females yet, so they're just kind of practicing, I guess. I had a small flock of rusty blackbirds showed up in the yard, and I'm always so happy to see them. Johnny K should have thrown in a bit of brown into his wardrobe because, boy, that brown-black color combination sure looks good on a rusty blackbird. And they're slogging through the wet areas at the edge of our woods searching for foods. And I don't imagine they're picky when peckish in March. I imagine they eat about anything. Uh, the big thing that happened in the backyard, the, the light was fading, as I noticed from my window, how the sun had warmed the dark bark of trees enough to cause the snow to melt in circles around the trunk of trees. Oh. And, and while I'm just looking at that, and it's just, uh, it's just getting dark, and there was an incident uh, right at dusk under a bird feeding station in my yard, a raccoon, likely a kit or a cub from last year, became inquisitive about a skunk. And the skunk gave a proper warning and arched its back, raised its tail high like a flag, turned sideways, hopped and stamped its front feet. And the raccoon must have thought, that, oh, it's playtime, or that the skunk was just food behaving oddly. And it got too close, and I watched from my office window, and I was about to bang on the glass to scare them off, but I couldn't stop watching. I became a gawker, and the skunk sprayed a bit, Uh and the raccoon lumbered off, and the putrid odor found entry into the friendly confines of my office. You know, not terrible or anything, but there was no mistaking it. And there was a possum nearby, but it wasn't involved in the hostilities, and it even lumbered off as soon as it had that smell. Uh, Neither raccoons nor skunks are hibernators, but they sleep through the coldest weather we have here. Uh, From last week, uh, Jim from Lake Washington was driving by Lake Emily and saw six swans landing on a pond in a field adjacent to the lake. So thanks, Jim, for reporting that. I love swans. They're just one of the most beautiful animals on earth, so thank you very much. We uh, Somebody had asked about bats in the house, and, of course, I always think of things I should have said after, you know, why should being on the radio be different than life in general? We're all doing that. That's what I should have said, or why didn't I tell her that? I, I You know, I forgot to tell her that. <clears throat> in our old, old house, which has gone gone the way of old houses. It's no longer there anymore. When I was a kid, I remember the Navajos said that the bat is a the bat bridges the supernatural distance between men and gods. So I, another reason for me like bats. But they were in the attic of our house, right by my room. And after I became uh, 
an adult and was trying to do something with that house, I decided maybe I should ask them to go somewhere else to live. And the bats we get in homes are the little brown bat and the big brown bat. The big brown, it sounds like, oh, it'd be a huge thing. Well, they weigh less than an ounce. They have a wingspan of oh, just over a foot. Big brown bats tolerate colder winter temperatures. They're active later in the fall in little browns, which uh, likely to hibernate in caves, little brown bats, where the temperatures stay above freezing. But big brown bats, they can successfully hibernate in caves and buildings too. So I examined the home for holes. I did it at night. I crawled up there. I don't remember if I had my poor bride out there. I shined a, turned on a light in there. You could see the light from the outside uh-huh. in the dark. You could see the holes. Sure. So what I did is I got some of this, uh, and now they would call it bird netting, but you could also use plastic screen or sheeting and put it over those outside entry points. And I think I had mine extended several inches above the holes and maybe a foot at the sides and then two feet below. And I taped or stapled the top and sides of the netting to the structure and left the bottom open so the bats could crawl out. And I didn't stretch the netting very taut or they wouldn't be able to leave. When the bats returned from feeding, they landed on that netting close to the hole, but they can't enter, and they went somewhere else. They don't chew through things. And I left the netting in place for a week and then caulked any openings larger than a quarter inch by a half inch. Uh, avoid doing this in May through August because of the possibility of there being young bats. And I know he was looking to make sure the caller from St. Peter was looking to make sure there were no bats in there, and that'd be a good way to do that. Uh, and if the weather, uh, it'll get cold here a little bit, you said, Karen, but if, once the weather gets nice, that'd be a good way to make sure there's none in there. Well, you know, the <clears throat> brown bat, little brown bats and big brown bats are kind of difficult to, to tell apart. I'm co I'm co coaching the wildlife bowl 4-H team with my husband for our 4-H club and we had a picture of a little or a big brown bat and then of course one of the sele- the numbers or the options was you know is this a big brown bat a little brown bat and unless you have them Ooh. side by side to compare it's really hard <clears throat> to tell so is that the case I mean do you find that a little difficult too because they sort of look similar to me anyway without the size comparison yeah it's darn near impossible as you know we see them flying and they say well the the wingspan is bigger on the big brown yeah but but a picture if you're out there yeah you see it going by right at dusk and is that the big one or the little one and you just take a stab at it and say yeah it's one of those uh, yeah i i agree and if you get them side by side then you can say well yeah that's the big brown bat there's quite a bit of quite a difference there you really notice that the, but unless you find them hanging together in the attic, you can't. you're not going to get that chance. You're going to see them flying around. And, uh, boy, unless I suppose there, I know there are people that are they batologists, people that study bats. <laughs> or owl bats. And yeah. they can, yeah, they can probably see this bat flying and say that's a big brown bat. Well, there. another challenge that our, so our team has had is, and this one I find <laughs> difficult, is the difference between a fisher, a marten, a mink, and all those, to me, there's, I mean, unless you 
know exactly what you're looking for. We, we you know, do this pick A, B, C, or D, which one is this? I find those, can you tell me what really the difference in those animals is? Are, are they related somehow? Because they sure look a lot alike, mink, fishers, and martens. And do we have all of them down here? No, if you see one here, it's going to be a mink. Okay. Uh, you know, we see the little relative, and we maybe see as many of those as we do uh, a mink, and that's a weasel. So we see oh, yeah. a lot of weasels, and they're really cool little guys. I, I love love seeing weasels. I didn't like seeing them getting into our brooder house when we raised chickens because that was never, never a good thing. But mink, weasel, martens, I've never seen a marten in southern Minnesota. We see mink around water for the most part. Martins are very shy. They're also a member of the weasel family. <clears throat> but they're not weasels? See, that's the thing. I get confused. They're, they're not a different type of weasel, though? Or are they a weasel of some sort? Uh, they are. Uh, people, you certainly could call them a weasel because they're a member of that family. Uh, martins are very shy. They have a bushy tail. And it's almost black compared to the rest of the body, which is kind of dark brown. And I can remember oh, where I was up north, and we were just sitting around the campfire talking smart and everything in the morning, having breakfast. And here's a squirrel making a lot of noise in a tree. And we looked up, and here was a marten chasing this tree around, or this tree, chasing the tree around the squirrel, chasing the squirrel around the tree, around and around. And it was, of course, great entertainment for us, <laughs> but I thought about it later. That poor squirrel, you know, I, I don't know that the marten caught it, but uh, you could kind of tell that the marten was not going to give up. It was just going to go after that, and I imagine it was hungry. Uh, the fisher is a pretty large, a lot of people call them fisher cats when I was a kid, and again, I, they're up north for the most part, and they are a member of the weasel family, and okay. like all the weasel family members, when you think of mink, uh, weasels, uh, martens, fisher, they kind of have a long, low profile mm -hmm. when moving along the ground. It's just a... Uh, they're slinking along. Uh, they were extirpated uh, fishers from much loggers and farmers cleared the forest, and that pretty much did away with these guys. Uh, fishers, like all of the other ones, they're carnivores, but they will eat. I read somewhere that they will eat fruits and berries when available, but they like rabbits and squirrels. Um, I, oh, I was at a paper session where they said they will even kill raccoons on occasion. I, I thought they but look they, a little fiercer for some reason in the pictures we've you know seen the comparison. Does a fisher look a little fiercer maybe? Is, or is that my imagination? And they are because oh. they are, if they're famous for one thing, they, are, they will prey on porcupines. Oh. <laughs> so that's what a fisher, if they're going to be, if they were on what's my line, that would be the thing, that they uh, they kill and eat porcupines, which uh, it takes a pretty good animal to do something like that, or a pretty crazy animal. I don't know which one, but they're, they're just real quick, and they will do uh, the 
it'll keep attacking the vulnerable portions of oh. the porcupine's body, its face and underbelly. And then when it gets enough facial wounds, it, oh, this is fun to talk about. I hope nobody's having <laughs> breakfast. When facial wounds, when it weakens the porcupine, then the fissure goes in for the oh. quill. So it it starts, uh, it avoids, it has to avoid the quills even while it's eating this porcupine. So it's, if we think about that, if we're eating a hamburger, we had to avoid the the bread part of it, It'd be that kind of thing. But good luck with all that. Yeah, the the big competition for the 4-H kids is this uh, coming Saturday. So um, we'll we'll see how they do. We've been practicing for two months. Every Thursday, we we have a practice session, and we'll we'll see. You know, they're these are kids ages grade four through. My son's the oldest is eleven. So who knows? We'll see it and just have fun, I guess. They'll do um, incredibly well, I know. Vicki LaRoon said, hey, Al, hearing of all the migrating birds folks sent in, I thought I'd add to it with this photo of a brown creeper. And thanks, Vicki. It's one of my favorite birds. But as you all know, I say that about pretty much every bird. Um, its first appearance was two weeks ago around February 21st on our ash tree. photo was taken on February 26th. Seems the nuthatches have been storing seeds in the bark, so this little creeper was scared off when the nuthatch came back for its stash. Uh, Jim Knudsen stopped by, and he's from Heartland here, and he said just stopped in. Lots of goldfinches and bald eagles around his farm. Rita Granson saw 12 species of duck, swans, geese around the two aerator areas in Clear Lake, just into Iowa, ways down by Mason City area. Uh, ducks were pouring in, said hurrah for spring getting closer. Uh, Tom Jessen, TJ of Medelia, said last Sunday I found a single garter snake out crawling around along the Watanwan River in Blue Earth County. Temperature was 62, and I was surprised to find only one. Even more surprised when I went back out Monday afternoon, I didn't find any at all, even though temps were warmer. I'm beginning to think it was a scout sent up by the others underground to check out the conditions up above. I'm sure he went back down into the den and said, stay in bed, everyone. It's way too early. <laughs> uh, Tim Scott of the sent me something from the Washington Post, and it says they've been buried alive for 17 years and now brood X, or brood 10, I'm not sure, brood X. One of the world's largest swarms of giant fly-like bugs called cicadas is ready to rise. When the ground warms to 64 degrees, they'll stop gnawing on tree roots and start scratching toward the surface by the hundreds of billions. Georgia and other southern states will probably be where they first emerge around the end of March. But residents of the Washington area are standing at ground zero. The district, Maryland, and Virginia are likely to host more of these animals than any of the other 14 states that share the experience. Uh, Tim added, I've been in Virginia when this happened. It's overwhelming. And Boy, Tim, I was in uh, D.C. once when that happened. And 17 years, we have to realize that these are all teenagers coming out of the ground. And uh, I, I remember being a teenager. It, it was loud being around me. Everything was at uh, full maximum decibels, whether it was music or talk or whatever it was. Well, that's what these guys are doing. These are teenagers, billions of teenagers coming up out of the ground. It's going to be noisy. 
Tom Bovers in Rice County saw Sandhill Cranes, American Woodcock, Brown Thrasher, and Northern Harrier. Uh, Chad Hines saw a Peregrine Falcon and a Merlin in Blue Earth County. Andrew Longton saw a Fox Sparrow in Rice County. And last year I had a lot of Fox Sparrows in my yard by now, and I haven't seen any yet. Uh, Peter Matson uh, in Mauer County saw a Sandhill Crane. And Leslie said, Al, thank you for identifying the bird for me. Um, yeah, she sent me a photo of a bird. How did a Eurasian collared dove end up in my yard? Uh, the sandy brown bird with a black collar was brought to the Bahamas in the 1970s. Uh, escapees from pet shops there found their way to Florida in 1982. And their goal was to make it to your yard, Leslie. So that's how they got there. You know, you have a goal, you work to that goal, and you can achieve it. They were first seen in Minnesota in 1998, and I remember seeing one that year. And they were in Alaska by 2006. So they've, do they travel well? I'd say so. Speaking of Alaska, I... I'm blessed by having a number of good friends in the Haynes area. And in the Haynes newspaper was this story. It says a woman was bitten by a bear on her behind as she sat down to use an outhouse in Haynes. (laughs) Yeah, Shannon Stevens was camping with her brother near a lake in Haynes. She, I believe it was the Chilkoot. Uh, she made the trip to the outhouse sometime after dinner and discovered she wasn't alone. I went to the outhouse, sat on the toilet, and immediately something bit me. She said, honestly, it didn't occur to me it would be a bear. No. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you, that's probably true. I didn't know what it was. I felt the pain and screamed. Shannon's screams brought her brother, Eric, running to see what was going on. I asked, where is it? She said, it's down in the hole. i like, I'm going to open the lid and see what's down there. So I grabbed my headlamp, and I opened the lid, and right there was a big bear face just staring back at me, a cinnamon-colored bear face, which I was not expecting to see, Eric said. So, you know, um, I think we should rejoice uh, every time today when we uh, have Nature Call and we uh, use a facility and there's uh, no bear in there. I think that's a (laughs) a real good way to go through life today. Say, Al, you've got a lot of people on the that have sent notes here on the text today that I want to share with you. This one says, hi, Karen and Al. What's your sign of spring from Nature Minds? The Wait, hi, Karen and Al B. What's, what's your sign of spring from nature? Mine's the return of the turkey buzzard. Thanks, Don from Cannon Falls. Oh, thanks, Don. Yeah, uh, the UPS drivers going with shorts <laughs> used to be mine, but, you know, I got a guy that shows up here. He pretty much wears shorts most of the year. He's just one of those guys. So so that's kind of ruined that. Mine is still, I would say, the red-winged blackbird. Okay. And mm-hmm. maybe second would be the killdeer when I see killdeer. That's kind of a sign. But the red-winged blackbird show up and they give me hope. And then the killdeer show up and say, yeah, it's here. So well, mine are, mine are seeing the, the, the um, pips coming up on my hostas and, the, of course, the spring flowers coming up. That's one of mine. And now I've got one, a note from Carl in Motown. 
He says, please, oh, please ask Albat if he's seen any morning cloak butterflies which appear on warm winter days. They are one of my favorite butterflies, and I haven't seen one in a long time. He says, I know they like elm trees. Maybe they are rare because of fewer elms. They hang out around farm buildings and sheds and where they hang their chrysalises and turn into adults. Ain't nature wonderful? Thanks, and keep up the good work. Carl in Morristown. What a good guy. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, yeah, one of the treats of my life was as a kid uh, seeing a morning cloak butterfly on, I uh, used to be able to remember the year, on a very warm and uh, quite snowless uh, Christmas. I saw a morning cloak, and it just, uh, I, I was more excited about that than Santa coming. I know there was something wrong with me, but I just, what a great gift. And I do see them, Carl, but I haven't seen one this year, and I really haven't heard uh, much of anybody seeing one. A guy from Duluth typically gets a hold of me every year when he sees one because he was like me when I was a little boy seeing one on Christmas Day. He gets really excited about it, so I usually get a text or a call, and I've not heard from him this year. Uh, They are the most beautiful of butterflies and if you if you would see them in the middle of summer you would probably say why well, yeah, it's a nice looking butterfly but boy there's so many beautiful look at that swallowtail over there so they aren't one that maybe would jump out and grab you in the summer as much as some other ones but boy this time of year and in the winter they're incredible and uh, carl thank you so much i I wish i had seen one and i i I hope you get to see one you know since we're talking a little bit about those insects there's a lot of insects that are still nesting in plant debris you know sometimes it's in the hollows of plant stocks or things like that that so that's why they suggest not cleaning out all your yard and everything yet because there's still some of those or nesting bees and that sort of thing. It's too early anyway because it's wet, but wanted to just make that note. So just leave those there till some of those, those I guess, insects and other important things are able to, to come and, and be born. And I don't know if you have a time frame that you would give people, Al? I don't. Uh, you'd be so much better at that than me. I'm like the world's worst lawn person. <laughs> well, I don't do lawns. Uh-huh. I'm, the na- I'm thinking the, you know, the natural plants and things around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I try to leave everything up. I even leave, uh, you know, I try to clean birdhouses to get the old nests out of there because there's parasites and things and mice to get in there. Uh, And I probably leave those too long every year because I just don't, I don't have the heart. I know there's so many people that just detest mice, but, you know, they're just doing what they're meant to do. I just don't have the heart to go out there and toss them out of there in January. <laughs> so, but And you don't have to certainly clean them then. But this is a time of year where you maybe want to get out and uh, dump those bird and clean out some of those houses. I just did that um, this weekend because they're, they're, we've got this little wren nest and the sparrows can't get in there, but they've been sticking their head in there and they can't get their body in. But what they've been doing is sticking their head in and removing all the sticks that the wrens had built up yep. in there. And I was just thinking, what in the world? Are they lazy or what? Well, so then what I did was uh, I have, you have to unscrew it. It's a metal uh, wren nest and, and cleaned it all out. And lo and behold, I found a, a hornet's nest that was hanging in there so i don't know if they did that afterwards would would those hornets return do you know uh they would not reuse the nest but they might reuse the same site oh well i i cleaned it out and and hopefully they won't bother the the birds is what i was hoping 
And I find quite a few of those in their paper wasp hmm. nest. Uh, they like getting in there. It's uh, I can see why. They're kind of out of the elements a little bit, and uh, it's just made for them. So there's a lot of things like being in there. And during the winter, uh, some of the birds, particularly chickadees, I think, of, will use those nest boxes as a roost, oh. a warm winter roost. So I, I wrote a little bit uh, this week about, uh, Mexican jumping beans. When I was a little boy, I got Mexican jumping beans, and I got it at the Put It Back store. Uh, <laughs> I, you all had a Put It Back store when you were growing up. Is that you like the mom. Five and Dime store, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. Except your mom, my mom would say, put that back. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Put it back. And I promised I wouldn't ask for anything else while my mother shopped, so she got me that little uh, plastic thing with Mexican jumping beans, and you could you could hear them clicking in there. And I got them home, and they they didn't jump high, but I needed to find out what made them move because I was Mr. Wizard in training. It's a shrub native to Mexico blooms, and a moth lays her eggs on the flowers. The eggs hatch, and the larvae are incorporated into seed pods. The pods fall to the ground, and those containing larvae wiggle more than they jump. And after weeks of wiggling, a larva goes dormant and spins a cocoon. It undergoes a metamorphosis, and a moth emerges. And I carefully cut open a Mexican jumping bean when I was a kid and discovered a larva. It was astonishing then as it is today. And what amazed me was that it filled that hole in on that pot. The larva said, I'm not coming out yet, and it filled that in with larva juice, or I don't know what it used in there. It was just an incredible thing, and I saw some of those somewhere before this whole pandemic hit, and I, I'm still astounded by those things. They still amaze me. I know what's doing it, and why they do it, uh, some scientists feel that where they are when they hit the ground, it's really hot, oh. so they will wiggle around to just keep from uh, cooking on the ground, I guess. Because I remember as a boy, I'd hold them in my hand, and the heat of my hand would set them off wiggling. And they're they're still selling those things and still uh, doing well with them, I guess. So Mexican jumping beans, who would have ever thought it? At the Put It Back store, which had everything, folks, that <laughs> a kid right. could ever want. It, my mom would go there, and it was called the, the Dime Store or the Five and Dime, some yes. people. And it was Woolworths. Well, especially the one thing, they had a lot of candy, and it was all at eye level. And speaking of candy, uh, John from New Ulm says a good sign of spring is Easter candy in stores. And I guess I'd have to agree with him there. Peeps. <laughs> yes, peeps. Uh, oh, who eats peeps those? Peeps <laughs> are everywhere. I'm not a big peeps guy. Yeah. I, I bought I get some for some in the family because yep. every family has peeps, folks, that like those. Peep but peeps. I yeah, I don't, they're marshmallows covered in sugar, and um, yeah, lots you know, of sugar. more power to people that like those, but I'm just not a big peeps guy. And John also said that he saw a skunk and a possum and a deer resting on the ground all at his dad's place. And, uh, yeah, and he says, what channel can you watch origami things being made? <laughs> uh, hold 
Manila, the Manila Folders? No, that's a baseball team. I don't know. Pay-per-view. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I should have got that one. Doggone it, John. You gave me one there that I should have knocked out of the park, and it's oh. another swing and a miss. Thank you, John. Uh, folks, spring is one of my four favorite seasons. Uh, <laughs> weather does its own thing. We don't. We can't control it. That's. It'd be a sad world if we were able to control it. And it was a beautiful day, and I'd have enjoyed frolicking in the lovely weather. But I needed to go in inside to see some good folks for uh, for monthly maintenance, so I can continue to take up space. And they, you're given an appointment card, and they said, bring that appointment card. So I needed my appointment card. I put it in my pocket. And when asked to present that card after I got in there, I discovered not quickly that it had mysteriously moved to the last pocket I searched. So I'm standing there uh, like I'm frisking myself, trying to find this card. And the people are so nice because I'm sure they probably see somebody else go through that same thing. And I finally found it. Again, it was in the last pocket I searched. And I was glad I wasn't wearing bib overalls. (laughs) My father favored the bibs. And they were key or Oshkosh bagosh. The newest one he had was the one he wore to town. So when he got cleaned up and went to town, he had his newest bib overalls on. And those overalls had a pencil pocket, a watch pocket. There were two side pockets, big enough for lunch and a bullhead. (laughs) There was a pair of back pockets to hold a wallet and one of those farmer-sized hankies that you could cover a car with, uh, a pliers pocket, and a hammer loop. If I'd have been wearing bib overalls, I'd still be standing there in front of that desk looking for that consarn card. (laughs) Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you more than I could ever say. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your your fine company. Oop, uh, somebody just asked if I would mention this. I will be at the St. Peter's Senior Center on Thursday, March 18th at 2 p.m. in room 219. Uh, talking about nature and things, and i uh, love to do something at the, the library, and this is going to be something new. I'll actually be there in person, and they're doing cool. all the right things as far as uh, health things, and it's also going to be available uh, virtually, which I, if you could contact the St. Peter uh, Library there or the St. Peter Senior Center, they would be able to to tell you how that is done I, I have no clue i just go in there clueless and find them happiest then well wonderful i hope people can come and see you either in person or via the zoom which we a lot of people have been doing and that's kind of the way we are and have you got your vaccination vaccination shot yet there al yeah i got both of oh, them now good. and well, i did five i know a lot of people do a lot more than than I, but I did five Zoom presentations in one day here oh a little my. while ago. So um, I, I enjoy them, but I know you probably do a lot of them. They're exhausting. I, yeah. don't, I don't know why that is. Well, I'm sitting there on my rear end talking into a screen, <laughs> and you're just worn out after. Uh, uh, I agree. It's just not the same as having that, that face-to-face interaction because people, a lot of times, you don't know when you can talk and that sort of It's Yeah, it's it's frustrating. So glad to be back into whatever normal is now. 
That's right. Yeah, it's getting better by the day. Thanks, Al. Hey, you have a great day. You too. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.